Live from Bantertown, USA. Uh. I'm John. This is Johnny. Hey. We're here on Talk About That. Man, it's good to be back. It's been a long time coming. It has, and we apologize for our uh, tardiness. There's a lot of things that happened in August, uh, and it made it it made it difficult. In fact, I've noticed some other podcasts I listen to. Some of them take August off, like. Or but that's just an off. excuse you're making, right? We were having trouble with our calendars, so I'm now tailor making this. I don't understand what you mean. We're having trouble with our calendar. We're like having trouble reading with our calendar it, right now, like reading it, dude. August was crazy. It was crazy, crazy for me. And I'm gonna. This will actually technically still be released in August because I'm gonna. I'm gonna release this. You're gonna today. make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen if you'll send me the description, John. So. Not sponsored by. Can I say this? When you post the things on Facebook where they can just play it from the window, yeah, post the whole description in the thing. I do that now because I want them to be able to read it. What's the point of me writing it all? I do that now. All right. Do you? Because I work ever, on those. Do you not look at it? Those little teases. When's the last time you looked at something I posted on Facebook? Oh wow! Wow. Are we even? I think I muted you. I've been. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't take all the political stuff, John. <laughs> Man, I I know I rant on Facebook, like against Facebook, not on Facebook. I yeah. just, oh, it's just, it's such a. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. People love. Actually, I don't think people love Facebook anymore. I think they're addicted to it, right? And they want to kick. It's like it's a drug, but you feel like you can't kick. Yeah, and uh, or it's the fear of missing out. Like, well, everybody's there, right? So if I go away, everybody else isn't going to go away. I'll be out here in the real world by myself. Yeah. I like that, though. Well, I'm an introvert. I like being by myself. I think that I would totally be able to get off of it. And this is me just, uh, you know, speculating. And it's probably wrong. But I think that I could get off of it if I didn't need it for my job. Yeah. Because, like, I'm literally at this point buying. I have shows that are coming up. For instance, I have a couple shows in Jacksonville and Lakeland, Florida. Mm -hmm. And my fee is tied to ticket sales. Mm -hmm. So I have this really low number. That I'm guaranteed. So you're you're promoting so ads. I have to, I have to promote ads yeah. to get people to come out, or they won't come because yeah. they don't know about it. And so, like without Facebook, what what would I do? See, I don't just, you hate though? That's what I hated about Facebook. After a while, I was yeah. only using it to promote content or yeah. something that I was like, I, it's original use of like just catching up with people. Right. Like that part, I enjoy some. But that's of part of how the podcast gets out to people is it they is. know about it through it social is. media, and it's important. Yeah, and then there's people who've made whole careers off social media, which is fascinating, you know. I mean, the guy I travel with uh, a ton, Tim Hawkins, like his – he got in right when YouTube was beginning and did a couple videos. Yeah. One of them was a parody of Jesus Take the Wheel called Cletus Take Cletus the Real. Cletus Take the Real, yeah. And he just made this video and spent, you know, whatever, $5,000 on this video. And it went viral, yeah. which in that back in that days was really hard. Yeah. And – that and some other videos he's done have propelled him to – and just a, having a great hour of stand-up every 18 months that right. he turns over. He's just a ticketed artist in almost every market in the U.S. But he has no TV appearances, no movie credits, no late-night talk show credits, and he's this phenomenon. Now you see John Chris. Yeah, I just heard John Chris sold out a 6,300-seat theater in Dallas. Wow. Uh and here's a guy who's not been on commercials, not been on. It's insane. So social media is very powerful uh, for better, or for worse. And I'm trying to I'm trying to harness it more than just like 
throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, water. and I, I sound like an old, I sound like an old like prudish. You know, I, I don't know. I'm you just really over, do. I'm just overwhelmed all the time. It just, it it's just adds, too much. It adds we to know it. too much. Yeah, we, we have everything. Everyone's opinion. Twenty four hours a day. We're not prepared as humans to absorb that. I think what gets me is the offensiveness of not being on it. Yeah. This is maybe a pastor thing. There are often times where someone will have some major surgery and then they're upset that someone in the church in the small group or whatever yeah. didn't come. And we agree. Like we want everyone to be cared for and all those things. And we go, well, who did you call or who did you let know about it? And they yeah. go, well, I put it on Facebook. Right. And there's this like assumption that we should just be trolling the waters all the time, yeah. seeing what's out there so that we can rush to it. And so I kind of have like these – Hey, you know, listen, if you need me to know something, I need you to contact me directly. Like, you know, don't just assume. I mean, that's like, I don't know, that's like sending out a carrier pigeon and hoping that it finds its destination. It's just think, like that. I don't think that's a very <laughs> apt uh, metaphor, but okay. John, whatever. Uh, your own bitterness against social media listen, notwithstanding. It's not you just, sound like an old man. I do. I do. And I'm sorry. And it's not just social media, but technology in general. So today I'm driving down the road. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Going, to, going to the hospital to see somebody. Because you saw it on Facebook? No. That was my grandmother. But anywho, oh. so she is not on Facebook. She is totally not on Facebook. Right She's 86. But, oh. So I'm driving down the road. I'm driving along. I'm driving along. <laughs> and I decide that I want to listen to a certain worship song, mm-hmm. Johnny, to edify my life. Like I want to be edified. This sounds like something a pastor would make up. Like you really <laughs> wanted to hear like Christina Aguilera's I Turn to You. But instead, you have to like clean it up for me, for the <laughs> listeners. The truth is that I wanted to hear a song, and I screenshot this to see. So I say this. I say this to Siri. I push the button because you're driving. All right. I'm not going to stop and look at my phone. That's crazy and dangerous, and I would never do it if my wife is listening. And so I say, <laughs> play Shane and Shane, My Life Defined. Okay. It's a great new song that they've written. Right. It's on their last uh, worship initiative record, number 15. That just Love Shane and Shane, not a sponsor. Yeah. And so she says – She's working, working. Actually, I have a British dude for Siri, so he's working, working. And so he comes back and he says, playing, it's a shame to whip your wife on Sundays. What? Wait. That's what it – That's a song? And so instead of being like (laughs) – like at first I was like – What year was this song? You're playing – so I screenshot it so you can kind of see it now. (laughs) That's not real. It's black and white. This is real. It came up, volume – Four of Fiddlin' John Carson, the complete recorded works in chronological order from 1926. And the name of his song is It's a Shame to Whip Your Wife on Sundays. And Johnny, I listened to it. Because I was like, what? Well, you're like, well, look, I I wanted to be edified, but this is good, too. I just, I was, I was just, this is horrible. And it's basically the premise of the song is. It's a shame to whip your wife. I think it's wife. pretty self-satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> on Sundays. But then he goes on to say in the course. <laughs> funny if this like, no, the song was about football. That's weird. <laughs> like, it's, it's so horrible. He says, yeah. you have Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. He names all the other days of the week. Like, look, you have other days to whip your wife. Yeah. Don't do it on Sunday. And then he goes through other things. Yeah. Like drinking. You have Monday, Tuesday. Don't do it on Sunday. I don't know if like. Was the, Fiddling John. He was a devout person, and he just thought, "Well, this is the Lord's day. I don't." Well, I don't know if like the word take a break I, from. Like I, I, I dive bombed in my head into all of the historical things happening in that time, yeah. coming out of the end of the Second Great Awakening. Like literally, was this song meant 
to talk about how sacred Sunday was. So if you're going to sin, don't do it on the Lord's Day. Like was that You tied really? it to the Great Awakening? Sorry. <laughs> Sinners second, in the hands of a fiddling John. The second Great Awakening. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I will tell you, it was the worst theology and message. Yeah. Like, really? And this Didn't, was wasn't a, there a thing about the rule of thumb came from, do you know this? Yes. The rule, and this may just be something that's not true. We need to snopes it because we always get corrected. But I always heard that the rule of thumb came from you can whip your wife, but the stick cannot be bigger than your thumb. Or you you can get – it's a crime then. But as long as you use something smaller than – what about dudes with huge thumbs, dude? They got – I mean, I've known some dudes with some big thumbs. They could like big thumb fiddle and John. Like big Carson. thumb fiddle and John. But tell you something, I wouldn't buy this record. No, it makes me mad that my well, Apple. Now you've it's in your heart. Now it's going to be in the back of your mind. And then I did, again after I listened to it. Next I'm, time you get in a fight with her, you're be, well, you better be glad it's Sunday, lady. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't fathom a culture even in the twenties right. that wouldn't really work. Where now. we were like going, oh sure, that, that we would write a song about it. Like when I, did women get the right I, to vote? I was so offended. When did women get the right to vote? Do you know, John? When it's was suffrage? In the twenties. So it's right there. So this is like this probably happened because they're like, well, now they want to vote. Oh, okay. lady. Fun fact about women's yeah. suffrage. So when when Harding was elected president, yeah, he was actually they would have got suffrage in the late teens. I think he was elected like right in the twenties. It was the first election that women were allowed to vote. And now whether this is true or not, because I still think this sounds kind of demeaning to say it, but that basically women voted him into office because he was a good-looking man. Interesting. And they had the, the first chance. And, and, and regardless whether that's true or not, that was in history books. Like that I, think was, people st- I think people in general still are more likely to vote for a more handsome person. Oh, I think I say all the time, if I had a full head of hair right now, like some guys I know, I'd be a senator. No doubt. You think so? Absolutely. It's always wow, holds me back. really delusional. <laughs> Just the head of hair. <laughs> you know, I think, it, what's funny, uh, Obama was a good-looking dude. He was a good-looking president. Yeah. He's a handsome guy, I think. Uh, Clinton was like a ladies' man. He had he had kind of a big head. Yeah. You notice that? Like, he was a little doughy I can when think he was in office. Of, I can think of a lot of presidents who are not good But Clinton had all these affairs and stuff, so I just think of him as like, well, why was he such a Casanova? But there was something about him, like, charisma-wise on top of Like, sometimes that. I'll look back through the pictures yeah. in, in history of, like, the season in the yeah. mid Early 1800s to right. late 1800s, and I'll see those guys with the handlebar goatees and yeah. and all this stuff, and I really feel better about myself. Like that really ugly dude was very powerful huh. and had a lot of success. I think so there's, there's been hope. A, I think ugly people have had a hold on things for a while, as long as they're rich and white. I think ugly, rich, white people still do. Well. It's like you can do okay as long as you have the other two things. Like some of them had a lot of talent. Yeah, I'm sure. Like Abraham Lincoln, bro, he wasn't winning a beauty contest. No, but like, it's like he wasn't have, here's a quarter. Have a rat and all that thing off your face. <laughs> Remember Uncle Buck? <laughs> Uncle Buck would have definitely said that to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, like he wouldn't have made the podium. You know what I'm saying? I think Abraham Lincoln was a pugilist. Uh, he was a fighter. I think he had like a really like an undefeated amateur record. Really? Too. I think I've read that. It was like I'm talking about like bare knuckle boxer. Wow. Uh, before he got into politics. Wow. I'm going to look it up. Somebody's going to correct that, but I'm telling you, I've no. read that. You know what? I think we just speak all these things. So what I'm fact. saying is maybe he took a couple shots, and that's the reason well, he yeah, kind of had. But he had that disease that the, why he was so tall. and, and Oh, he of, did? I didn't know this. Yeah, I forget what the name of How that is. How tall was he? Like we six, need four? people here today I'm to as verify. T- I'm as tall as Abe Lincoln, right? He was like 6'4", six, 6'3". Six, Abe Lincoln. Did you say 
Hey, Blinken. No, John, we don't have enough for all these Robert rabbit trails. Robert in tights. Come on. Remember, that's one of my favorite parts. Okay. No, I didn't say, hey, Blinken. It was, uh, it was uh, Chappelle. It I was. Think. Yes, Chappelle's in that movie. Listen to me. Why are you taking us down so many rabbit trails? How tall do you think Lincoln was? Six. I, I think he was six four. I'm six four, John. You look like Lincoln. That's the reason he was so gigantic okay. and freakish. What? I think the hat is making you think he was taller than he was, Johnny. Because he... you throw that hat on, now he's seven two. You know what? Get ready to be obliterated. Okay. I have now hey, look gone up, to technology. Look up the fighter two thing because I really what think I that's true. What I should do is I should ask Siri out loud and see what he comes up with. Hold on, let me do it. I got this. Like, he's going to play some other horrible song. Siri. Oh, it's wow. Not, it's not, mine's not Won't even it. take directions. It's giving me the uh, example of how's the weather in Albany. It's giving me the sample question to ask her. I don't want to know that. I don't care about Albany. Um, Sorry if you're listening from Albany. Um, um, See, we can do this kind of stuff on Tim's podcast because there's five of us on the microphone at once. Yeah. So if Caleb wants to take a minute, who's Tim's uh, creative director on the road yep. or uh, tech director, he can take a minute and Google things. Time we don't have that. If we Google something, it's like a, a death of the conversation. It dies down. It's hey, obvious we're doing it. He was 6'4". Abraham Lincoln, uh, many Americans, blah, blah, blah. he was 6'4", tallest president ever, edging out Lyndon Johnson by a full inch. Uh, they wonder... According to that thing on his DNA, I guess, that if he had Marfan or Marfan syndrome. Oh, Marfan syndrome, yeah. A relatively rare genetic condition that first identified decades after his death. So that's what they think, possibly. So, see, I told you there was a thing I didn't know, but I know just enough information to, to start conversations that I can't Marfan's finish. is tough. Yeah. So if he'd lived longer, if he had not been assassinated, he would have had some deteriorating health, probably. Man, I'm going to tell you something, though. Like I often wonder about the history of the nation if he would have survived because Reconstruction would have been such a different ball game because it was the worst yeah. thing that could have happened, worst thing because there was such yeah. bad blood and he would have it could have been bad either way. We don't never know what didn't happen. But what about Kennedy? What do you think happens if Kennedy's not assassinated? I actually think Kennedy just goes down as a another president. See, you're saying that because you're just you're so right leaning. I hate you. John. I'm not that right leaning. I'm kidding. No, you're not right leaning. I think actually that there was scandals that would have been way that would have defined him more. He, the scandals kind of define him now. Yeah. But I think that man, if he had been alive in Twitter generation, can you imagine? Oh my god. Because there's all these stories about sneaking women in and out of the White yeah. House and Marilyn Monroe. It's like yeah. there's no way that all doesn't see the light of day if on a 24 hour oh. news cycle. I mean, he had like a team of people covering that up, yeah. which apparently was a thing. Plus, this is back in the day when the office of the presidency was literally like this. You respected it above all else, even right. if it wasn't your guy in office. That all kind of went out the window with Nixon yeah. when it was obvious, like, oh, they're playing dirty pool. And this guy's like trying to, you know, he's a cheater and he's this and he's that. And uh, yeah, now, the, there started to be some, like, uh, apathy towards government and, and cynicism started to sink in then. Well, yeah, you don't want to protect now what – you don't want to keep protecting the pedestal. You know? Well, yeah, when I hear Dude, people what a say great political book title. Protect the pedestal? Protecting the pedestal. Well, it's like when people say things like that, like Tiger Woods said that this week because he has a previous relationship with Trump and there's picked photos of him posing with Trump. And so people are, like, calling him on the carpet for not – coming out against Trump as a black American and people expect all this stuff of Tiger that he's supposed to come out on these issues. He's just not that guy. Yeah. 
And he said something to that effect of like, well, you have to re- even if you don't like the president, you have to respect the office of the presidency. And I was just like, we're just not having that anymore. Not yeah. in 2018. Yeah. I don't like that either, to be honest with you. That's like saying – my mom used to always be like, the call of God is without repentance. You don't touch not thine anointed. I was like, this guy – that yeah. you are protecting is a total sleazebag. I mean, that's how we get like this Catholic scandal, all that stuff, this whole like, well, he's the anointed. Let's yeah. just get out of the way and let him do whatever he wants. It's like, no, not yeah. down with that. Yeah. There, we were talking about that um, yesterday in terms of gender roles, you know, in, in church leadership. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, leadership in the family and all that. And I, I made the comment to someone like, if, if if you want to say that you know dudes biblically should be leading in places if they lead the way that Christ did then they should be the first ones getting nailed to a cross so that everyone else can survive right like that that's real leadership you should be the first one laying down your life mm-hmm. for everyone and that means while you're still living that you're walking around laying down what you want so that the people that you care for and protect are being served well and and have better things or life in, in this case. I mean that that is straight scripture. You yeah. know, that we lead in our homes and lead in our churches in the way Christ lead the church. So you're right. Like that whole I mean Jesus didn't have a touch not thy anointed. He that was the whole reason he came. Right. You know, yep. So that he could be destroyed. Anyway, hey listen, we're going to uh we're going to move forward oh, okay. with something that we started. We asked listeners to please send us questions and Johnny it happened. What? And so we're going to start a segment. We've got listeners. We're going to start a segment today. Uh, and and we're going to call this segment and we're going to we're going to get to, we're going to play some music. Oh, it's this got segment. a jingle? It's going to have a jingle. We're going to call this segment uh, ask John and Johnny. So let's go to that jingle now. Oh, I like it. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, today on... (laughs) (laughs) What in the world? I don't know, Johnny, just fit. That's like a a 50s film noir detective. (laughs) She walked into my office. Look at those stems. It's one of those, like, black and white. The dame had an agenda. Anyway. um, She asked me for a light. We we do not endorse calling women dames or... Or talking about their legs as stems. Johnny... What's his name? Fiddlin' John Carson. That guy needs to be banned. Oh, my gosh. Fiddlin' John. What a... Fiddlin' John. There would not be a Fiddlin' John today. Okay, go ahead. Ask Johnny. So this question comes from uh, a a listener named Elliot, and uh, he had a couple questions about you, Johnny. This is specifically, I think, for you. So apparently, even though it's Ask John and Johnny... He... He asked me. I actually asked some, but we're gonna we're gonna ask you. He has multiple questions. We're gonna ask you today because you're very special. Okay. Uh, what's the worst joke you ever tried on a crowd? Have you ever been tempted to do blue humor? And is it ever really hard to be a clean comedian when it would be so easy to go the other way? Mm. Mm, Johnny, wow. that's great questions. Uh, the worst joke. Mm. Oh my gosh. I can think of a few jokes that were bad that we used to do back before you were a comedian. Do you remember those at the shows? No. So back before – Johnny, this is going way back. When okay. we first started playing in a band, yeah. we uh, – when a string would break yeah. on a certain instrument, we didn't have a backup. Right. So our bass player, Brian, would have to stop and replace the string, and we'd have to improvise. Right. And so you had a couple things you would do. One I don't remember this at all. was called Wings of the Eagle. <laughs> you, <laughs> no. 
You don't remember? Yeah, but that's not mine. That wasn't even mine. That was an old, like, Amazing Jonathan thing. Okay. I would pull a kid up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would have him folded. I would fold a dollar on the ends, and I would rest it on his hand, his extended fist. And I would rest it. The ends of the dollar were folded in, like, long ways. And uh, so it's like two two ends of the dollar hanging over his fist, and then I would be like, this trick is called wings that keep your eyes on the wings of the eagle on the back of the dollar. Wings of the eagle. And I'm going to say three. I'm going to count to three. And then you're going to say wings three times. As loud as you can. As loud as you can. Yeah. Like, wings, wings, wings. And I pick up the dollar, hold it in my ear, and go, hello. That's an old amazing Jonathan bit. <laughs> it still gets me every time. Sometimes I would talk into the phone like the phone was still going. Right, be like, yeah, it. he fell for it. Yeah, yeah. I'd just do a whole thing. You know, he's still standing here. Yeah. I got to get off. I got to go. There's still yeah. a show going on. Yeah. That's dumb. But no, I've, that's the thing. When you're a comedian, you don't, people always wonder that. How do you know if something's funny before you tell it to a crowd? Uh, and the, the honest answer is you don't. Right. You never really know. You get, I have a better sense of it um, than, okay, well, this will work. Or this is in my voice. You know about writing in a voice. Well, that, that's the same with comedians. Like, oh, this fits a narrative. Like, I wrote a joke yesterday, and it's funny, but it's not really in my voice. And it was, um, I was driving down the road with Curry. We were talking about cryogenically freezing for some reason. <laughs> like you did. And I, and I was interested in it, and I said, uh, yeah, my uncle's stupid. You know, he uh, cryogenically froze my aunt so that she could be brought back when they find a cure for what killed her. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. She was hit by a car. Okay, that's... Like that's a really dark <laughs> joke. Right. It's not really in my and it's not true. Right. Uh, but anyway, I think it's funny to, to, that you could cry genuinely freeze because people always say that. Well, then when they cure this disease, right. like, she was hit by a car. Anyway, um, but I have told some jokes for the first time before, and them not really land. Uh, and you just kind of, it's okay, but it's that's part of the game. But yeah, I have a thing where now I feel like. In my head, I can sort of whittle it down and be like, no, that's not going to – or I can get it closer. But now I get I'm more, I get more nervous about not just jokes that I'm telling that, not, that don't work. It's uh, like backstage trying to – it's almost like I feel more panicked about controlling the narrative of why people are laughing. Yeah. Like I, I read about this – I have this comedian friend and I read about the other day that I didn't even know this about him. That he basically had been doing comedy for 20 years, and now he's starting to get stage fright. Whoa. Like, into this deep into his career, he's starting to have, like, panic disorder. And and you think it's just something you just get over. But honestly, I always feel a little bit of butterflies before I go on. I don't really ever want to lose that because it the audience can sense when you are confident versus when you're just, like, flippant. Right. And you don't care. You've done this a thousand times. They're just another room for you, whatever. So I like a little bit of excitement and energy, but sometimes I'll be in this situation. I'm like, okay, I don't know where I'm coming on from. I did this event. This is this is a good story. I was doing this event in Dallas, Texas, and they had uh, it was a, a laugh night. It was for all ladies. Laugh was in huge letters across the back of the stage. Is right? it an acronym? Ladies, ladies, all, all understanding, understanding God's, God's humor. humor. Okay, there you go. It could have been, but wow. no. We just made an event. <laughs> <laughs> that was not too hard, actually. Okay. Anyway, uh, laugh dot com. Anyway, forward slash John and Johnny. So these the huge metal letters with lights in them are on the back of the stage. 
Well, I go backstage. Finally, I did my sound check, and then I wandered around, and they took me backstage and said, you're going to come in from here. And I realized I have to enter. There's no The letters are blocking the pathway. So now I have to decide, can I fit between – if you ever like, here's the thing as a big person, okay? I'm a bigger guy. And I've started cl- trying to clean it up. But one of the reasons is. I've always said you're the bigger person. You know? Here's <laughs> me and Abe Lincoln. <laughs> Have you ever like had a space like there's a guy sitting in a chair at a table and you're like, well, that guy needs to scoot up or I'm not going to be able to make it by him, like yeah. at a restaurant? Yeah. I find now that I am misjudging the space that I need to get through an area. So you have like a, you, you have, have like a, like a in your mind. Yeah. there's a set thing. That's you go well. I can there. get through there, and yeah. you go and you bump into it yeah. like operation. Mm-hmm. If it was operation, it would buzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I find that I'm buzzing. The bigger my behind gets, mm-hmm. the more I'm like, well, this isn't right. I I don't have a good I sense of it. It's here. like when you're in the car and you know that you're between the lines. Yeah. But then you're like, whoa, I'm way over. You hear that? Like, whoa, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. So all that said, I'm backstage in this, and I realize I've never walked through these. And I'm thinking the U is my best bet because I can just step over the bottom part of the U. But if I get halfway between this get stuck. and I get my behind stuck. Or knock the whole thing over or whatever. God. Dude, I would, I would literally – I don't know what would happen. Because well, I mean, you would have done your job. It would, be, be, it would be so funny, and I would try to play it off like I meant to – you know. But inside, you'd be weeping. Oh, my gosh. I'd be a seventh grader, yeah. you know, that with my fly down, you know, in whatever. Yeah. First day of school. And I was panicked thinking about trying to plot my move. Should I slide underneath the A? Should I? <laughs> and I decided to go through the U. And I'm telling you, I cleared this U with centimeters to spare. And then I was just off to the races and the show went great. Did but you address it? No. I think I did, actually, because that's the kind of thing you do. Yeah. I think I'm not in that long of his way, but I did mention it. Like I was hoping I could make, you know. But I'm telling Thanks, you, it guys. was. Clo- I'm telling you, it was close. Now there was a. You- it made a squeak, probably. <laughs> you know, it was not now good. Now, your rider, it's like I need a clear path to the stage yeah. that does not require me to climb through. Yeah. Life size letters. But the thing is, like I've been doing this for almost eleven years now, and so I know my lines. And I know that I have a really solid hour, hour and a half now of things that I really – that work in every room and I know that they work. So now the temptation is to coast on that and the hard part is to try the new thing. So to to his point about do you ever have a thing that doesn't go well, it happens a lot. But I try to sandwich it in between something that does work. Right. That way it's like I can quickly move on to yep. something that I know is like a good – it's going to work 100%. It's not like picking a song in a worship set. And yeah. Try to put a newer one, and you're not sure how it's going to go. Between, as far between as, familiar things. As far as going blue, and uh, this is a – did you know this comedy history? Do you know why they call it going blue? I don't. This is a legend, and I don't know Does if it's 100% true. Does it have to do with Abraham Lincoln there was a comedian, or suffrage? No. Okay. <laughs> there was a six-foot-four comedian one time with a huge – what are they called? Stove Stovetop? What are those hats called that Abraham Lincoln wore? Uh, not stovetop. <laughs> Stovepipe? Stove top. Pipe top. What are they called? He keeps stuffing up in there. He does. It's Isn't that like... amazing? If he ever gets hungry. <laughs> I don't remember, Johnny. It's I'm a, not up on my historical it's a fashion. Stovepipe. I'm not up on my modern fashion. The big so, top hat. Anyway. Yeah. Why don't we just call it a top hat? Well, top hat's... different than top hat because it's Yeah, this was taller. taller. Yeah. I wonder what that was about. Like, why the... 
What is that hat about? You think he's there is something about it like he's like all the men wanted to look taller for that. He's scene. already tall though. Well, yeah, but imagine now how the much the tallest he, president ever felt like he still needed that hat. That's troubling. Man, I wish Abraham Lincoln would have known how special he was without how, that hat. God, he was so insecure. He's known for that. Anyway, oh, goodness. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so here's the th- story that I've heard, and I'm, I need to confirm this. This is more. We're just we're just pos- we're just There's a you lot know, of speculating, hypothesizing today. So I think the comedian's name was Mort Saul, and he was more of a political humorist. But he had two notebooks that he wrote his bits in, and one was red and one was blue, and the dirty jokes he wrote in the blue one. So sometimes you would do these clubs, and they would say "stay clean" because it's a family crowd so or whatever. Go, go red. He would stay in the red book. Yep. But if if it was like a late night show and it's all couples, and you needed to have the adult show, he would go to the blue. I book feel like it should have been the opposite. Because so red is like the inflaming color, right? It blue should be should like be calm and yeah. Interesting. Could you but you just think that because you grew up in church, you're like, red means hell. You're going to hell for saying these words. <laughs> well, I don't think that. I'm like, I think a stop sign. Yeah. That's red, true. You know, it's danger. You run a stop it's sign. More it's more dangerous material. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But anyway, that's. I think that's how it, it started. And now it's like if you work blue, that means that you have like an adult show. Like sometimes cruises are starting to look at me. And there's a lot of cruise lines like Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and some of the more party they require ships. blue, probably. They require you yeah. to have a 60-minute show for everybody yeah. that everybody can bring their family to. And then they also want you to have at least 30 minutes uh, that you can do an adult show, late-night show, because they yeah. want it to feel like, ooh. It's like, it's like everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. So if you don't give them that, they don't feel like they've been naughty on their cruise. They want to hear dirty jokes. And I know comedians that just go, well, look, here's my – I have 90 minutes. Here it is. And they still get through because it's that funny. And I'm hoping I'll end up being one of those guys, but we'll see. Do you think it'd be weird if I went on one of those cruises with you? We talked about this. Like It'd be weird just because you'd be on a cruise with me. But yes. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> You get to go on this cruise. You get to bring somebody. Yeah. Your wife's working. You know, yeah. And so I've, I want to make Disney's a Disney's looking at me for uh, three weeks next year. That I want to make happen. a I can make a writing trip out of it. And we, yeah. could, dude, we could eat the buffet morning, noon, and night. You go do your shows. I'll come watch and cheer yeah. you on. And I'll write. And I, have, I think it'd be great. Not, be not weird at all. Disney's di- the opposite. Disney, I'm more panicked because they need you to have a 60-minute show for families. And a 30-minute show for kids. Oh, yeah. So it's like I'm more panicked about that than having like – because I could put in a little like, oh, I'll talk about my wife and my relationship and well, I'll throw you, in you like a – You can't talk whatever. about your kids. You can't. Well, I can't talk about my kids and I just don't have – I don't have puppets. I don't have – I have things that will go over a kid's head. It's not adult oh. material, but it's grown-up material. Yeah. Anyway, all that said, you could do the yes, I've, of- I will say yes, I've been tempted to go blue. Uh and anybody anybody that works clean that says they've not been tempted is lying to you. Um, and there are there are comedians that work blue or dirty that I think are brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and some of them make me laugh a lot. Yeah. So this idea that like ah it's not funny. No, there are some things. There are some jokes that are that are not appropriate that are funny. That's just you can't stop yourself from laughing. I could I could tell a joke and it would make you laugh even if you didn't agree with it. It would yeah. make you laugh. There's something in us that, that that happens with. So, yes, you see somebody go up and kill because they said some word and you're like, well, why can't I cut through the infield like that guy? But uh, I've never done it. Uh, I used to have somebody that travel with me and they would say that. They'd say, I just want to take you out of town one time <laughs> to like a middle-of-nowhere club in just Dayton, Ohio – and just throw curse words in the middle of these bits that are already killing and see if you could just tear the roof off the place. 
And they're just, they'd laugh about it. And I'd be like, yeah, but there's some, I'm, I'm not known, but I'm known enough that I'm sure there'd be one person to be like, isn't he the, yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I would just find that one person that's a, you know, a friend of mine on Facebook or something. And he'd be like, aren't you supposed to be the, so I'm always, but I don't have like a need to do, I don't like, oh, I wish I could get away with this. I just never thought about it that way. Not just because of my faith, but because I grew up watching Seinfeld and Brian Regan right. and and now you've got guys like Gaffigan that are just so good mm-hmm. without going blue and um I just think that it's fun. I loved Jack Benny growing up and these guys that just they were so clever uh without it. Uh we were I was talking yesterday to somebody about Bob Newhart and how his timing is oh. so impeccable and he just stutters his way to the punchline and it's the exact right moment and how genius it is and and I like that. I, my favorite thing about my show, if I'm honest, is that families can come to it. Yeah. And they, because there's so few things that families can do together anymore and they all enjoy it. Like, think about it. If you watch a show with Sadie and it's her favorite show on Nick Jr. or Nickelodeon or whatever it is, or uh, Disney, Kid Disney or whatever. It's just Disney. Now. Like Bunked, right? <clears throat> How do you know about Bunked? I know about Bunked because I have a niece. So she's watching Bunk. Bunk is the worst on the Disney Channel show. So you're watching Bunk with her, and she's laughing, and you're just like, "This is the corniest." Well, my show, I like to think I've got something that can hit everybody, and yep. that's so that's important to me. And so I write with that in mind. But it, but it, yes, there's times when I go, or I'll think of a joke, and I'll be like, "Well, this isn't gonna." <laughs> well, this be, is inappropriate. The, the truth is, so like your blue, yeah, is not usually about profanity. No, no, no. It's about it's about a content that would be too edgy, because, right? Because you have them all the time. I mean, for twenty years, yeah, 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 and they're hilarious. And we often sit and go, "Wow, you can never do." Yeah, that. Yeah, I could never tell that one. That was yeah, awesome. So I don't. That's wanna... when I sell those jokes to a dirty comic. <laughs> 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 Give me fifty bucks. You told me the other day I'm, I paid for my house, John. I'm All the dirty material that I don't do. That's okay, why I'm no, driving. I did it. That's yeah, why it's paid for driving my driving that brand new yeah. Tesla or whatever yeah, out there. No. The, you told me that I wrote a joke the other day that you couldn't do in a show, and I was shocked. What was it? So you want to tell it now? I'll tell the joke. That's okay, fun. tell it. Yeah. So no, well, the joke is: so my pastor's doing a series on marriage. Yeah. Sorry, dang it, I screwed it up already. <laughs> My pastor's doing this is, a series. Uh, comedy's hard, y'all. My pastor's doing a series on heaven. Yeah, and so he's telling all of us that when we get to heaven, we won't be married, and yeah. that so there'll be no sex in heaven. Yeah. And my wife leans in and says, "No sex sounds like heaven to me." Oh okay, yeah. So like you know, the whole thing. Ha ha ha. Right, right. In, You know. Yeah. And you were like, I could do that. Maybe right? I would probably do it at like a a couple's event. Right. That's just what I was the saying. word. Sex be, is like a bomb. It's like when you're in a church right. and you say the, but not anymore necessarily because people do series. Well, that's on where I sex. would do it. I would do it yeah. in a marriage conference or something yeah. kind of thing. You know. In, but I always make fun of churches when I walk in and they have like the sex series coming up. God in the bedroom. Yeah. And you're like, what are you trying? You're just trying to. You're just trying to promote something. You're trying to yeah, provoke a lots reaction. Lots of guys are bringing like putting beds on the stage. beds on the stage. And again, I, I, I don't. I'm fine with. Talk, I think we need to talk about it more. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 but I, I always think it's funny, and I always say, look, I was raised to believe when I was a kid that sex was something dirty and gross and shameful that you save for the one that God has for you. <laughs> and then I go, anybody else confused? <laughs> but it's you know it's so I, I don't know. I don't honestly. What's funny is that there are jokes about sex that I think are funny, but I don't necessarily sit down and write jokes with that. Am I like, how can I get away with talking right. about sex on stage? Because I find other minutia in our life more interesting. Agreed. Uh, 
as far as like this hasn't been covered before. It seems like with uh, jokes about sex, every angle has been covered and every Dude. every possible uh, way to go. Can I don't we, know. Can we talk about that for a second? We talk about that. Like I don't want to name the name. Oh, boy. But your show the other night that I went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were featuring. Okay. And this is a great example. So a guy got up to open before you. Oh, yeah, okay? right. And, and I didn't know what he was going to do. I should have listened in on his set. That was my bad. No, what would you have? It's okay. I would have. I would have I changed my. I would have changed the way I rolled in. Yeah. probably. So I mean, you to look at it. To it's not a Christian it. show. It's at a club. And, yeah, and where they're supporting because you're you're featuring for a very big. Comedy, yeah, I had a ton know. of church folks come up. That <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on out! And the guy got up in front of you, and he was. So to me, and it's not just he's I'm hosting. Remember, he should have done hosting. ten or twelve minutes yeah. probably. And he was filthy. But not funny, filthy, very shock value. Yeah. Like, and I'm okay. Look, in profanity, I can handle, but the sex stuff. Yeah, yeah. He starts just like really dirty sex jokes that just make you kind of giggle like a middle schooler. That was what was happening in the room kind of thing. You know? Yeah. You get up, you're clean, and for a moment you told me. Like oh, it no, took I you a felt, minute to get them back. Well, the jokes like, that normally land, I was like, whoa, this is not getting – It's not that he was getting no reaction. It was getting like a – He had overstimulated them, I mean, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I, he, it, well, it, I call it muddy in the waters. It's like you're making that the new – well, this show's going to go here now. Yeah. So when I try to bring it back, it's like I look like Beaver Cleaver. I look like – you know what I'm saying? I look right. like I'm – hello. You know, it's just – it's not it, – it feels – One glass of lemonade, please. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels overly like, what's this guy's deal? So well, if I hadn't known he had done that, I sh- it was my own fault. You're always supposed to do this. You're supposed to watch what's happening in the show before you. And I stayed in the green room. And you can watch it on the monitor, but I couldn't hear well. And uh, if I'd known, I would have walked out and acknowledged what had just happened. You know, I'd have been like, anybody else feel violated or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> right. And then it would have been like, we'd been off to the races. Gotcha. But instead, I just came out and do- dove into my... Well, you did great. You yeah. got him. It was fine. I got him back. It was good. But, but the guy after you. Yeah. So, and this is, this is to your point. So, he was the filthiest comic I've ever heard, maybe, live for sure. <laughs> I mean, an hour of yeah. it. Like well, every topic, yeah. but I mean, like, yeah, it was a lot. It was, but but the thing was, is he was brilliant. Oh no, he was really. That was what got he's probably me. one of the best joke writers working right now. He was brilliant, but he had no boundaries. Right, like he wrote jokes about abortion, mm-hmm. about pedophilia, about like the yeah, and and I just I can't like I was just like yeah. I mean you and then and then he would shame the room. For, for being shocked. being upset about yeah. words, they're just words, they're just words, and you and I, you know, I, we had that conversation later. Like, well, bro, like if they're just if it's just words, yeah. then then you wouldn't have a job, right? Like well, you're you're using, using the words, words because they have an effect, right? Because yeah. they have an effect. That's, That's why, why you are it. working. Yeah, uh, I, I do. I fall in the middle somewhere. Like, I totally believe that somebody should have the freedom to say what they want. That's one of the things that makes this country great. And I also believe, as a Christian, that just because something's permissible does not mean it's beneficial. Yeah. And there's some things that don't need to be talked about. And I don't like – I like making a crowd uncomfortable if I'm making a point and we're all in on it and it's for fun. Right. Like I have jokes about death and I have jokes about – and if I stop to think, what if somebody just lost a loved one? Right. Then I would never do any of my jokes if because if, some of my concepts are really absurd and they're about dark things. Yeah. But – yeah, to just 
hit a hot button issue like abortion and be flippant about it. It's just not not only not my style. It's something I'm just like, okay, I know, I see what you're doing. You're cheating. You know, it's like you're just cheating. Is what it felt like to me. Like he had a, a lot of stuff on race. Yeah. And he had actually a lot of really good. He actually insights. had good. Yeah, yeah, he did. Like, wow, this would be very helpful for uh-huh. us to. But, but again, it was like he did. He, I'm going to use this word, desanctified his own method. Like he did not see that philosophical problem with yeah. with. Your whole point is is we're making too big of a deal about words as mm-hmm. you're using words. It's the it's the same idea. Yeah. Of you know. You know, I can't believe in a God who would allow so many bad things to happen in the world, but then not acknowledging that I have a, a morality standard that's not found in nature, that I am judging God by some standard that I don't know where it came from. Like yeah. at some point in time, you you got to, to see yeah. the philosophical slant on it and, and what it brings what out. What is evil without good? And if you have good in the world, then explain the good. That's what I always say. Is, explain to me the evil in the world. It's like, well. I'll explain it as soon as you can explain to me all the good in the world without God. Right, and how yeah. you're evaluating it yeah. in the first place. And how do, you, yeah, how do you know it's good? Because there's a lot of things that are good that aren't easy. Yeah. We could just say, well, whatever makes everybody you know, happy. That, that's right. kind of where the modern society has gone. Whatever makes us happy and doesn't do any harm. Yeah. Well, yeah, but what, what helps one person may do harm to another. How, yeah. how are you evaluating? So you get all these ethical and moral, right. and moral dilemmas. No, it is interesting, and I, I think uh, I am not – I'm, it's so interesting because I think some people think that Christian comedy – or I, I don't even like the term Christian comedy because I think – I've told you this before, but Derek Webb said that. He said anytime Christian – the word Christian is used as anything other than a noun, it's a marketing term. Mm-hmm. So I'm very wary of that. Like if somebody says Christian comedian – like if you want to market me that way because you think families will think, it's okay to go to this show as right. a Christian comedian, I get it. But I don't market myself that way because I just don't think of myself that way. I think of myself as somebody who is a Christian. And I know that seems like hair splitting. But uh, when you think of Christian comedy as a genre or clean comedians, you think of somebody who might be pro-censorship. Right. And I'm so not that. I think there's there's people out there that – there's things that need to be said sometimes and it's okay. Uh, if I watch an old Richard Pryor record and that's just the way he talked every day, for mm-hmm. instance – that was the way he grew up talking, and so he uses those words. I'm like, it doesn't. It's not as jarring to me. What's interesting is I know some people who grew up in the church and they they were clean comics, and now they're kind of going into the clubs. Mm-hmm. I know one in particular, and they're using language now as like a I'm part of the club now, guys, and it sounds so weird coming out of their mouth. That's it, more. That's not what they do, yeah. right? It's so weird. It's like they're doing it just to kind of get in there. Uh, but I'm not pro censorship. I I think you should have the right, but I just think as me for me. There's this self-censorship, I guess you would call it. Like I, I just think there's some things that I don't think we should go there. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that there's things – I don't know. You do you do have to – you know, it's funny. I want to read you something. Oh, boy. So and it's, it's not something I'd read to you before, but it says um, – C.S. Lewis wrote, if there are rats in a cellar, you're most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. Mm-hmm. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. And so it's it's talking about being blind to what's already yeah. there. But we ascribe to the trigger mm-hmm. 
the that this produced that. Yeah. Um, it's the it's, it's 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 horrible. This is horrible. You know, when I was a there were times when I was a youth pastor, especially that we would have to deal with some sort of abuse situation, and and there were times that I would encounter from religious authority figures questions like, "Well, what did the kid do?" Yeah, you know, to to cause the parent to get so mad and do this horrible thing, and that that's the same idea. Like you're you're blaming the event, yeah, instead of understanding that th- there is obviously something embedded in in this parent that is capable or this is a, this is a, a normal thing. Not that they're not extenuating circumstances where things can happen, where anybody can be capable of anything. But I think to the point about the way that we speak um, and what comes out that there's something already inside of us. I know the abundance of the heart, you yeah. know, the mouth speaks and that I think I like where Lewis is going with this. We have used that in church for so long as one to condemn you if something bad comes out when you smash your hand with a, yeah, yeah. with a hammer. I'm not real sure. I think that is a moment. Yeah, you smash your hand with a hammer. Man, the, what what first comes out? It, it you know is probably just a. I'm going to use this term, scriptural term. It's just a flesh reaction, you yeah. know, from a flesh wound. Have you <laughs> like, did you hear they did a study on this and curse words actually lessen the pain? Really? Yeah. People who they I don't know what they did to to do the study. I don't know what kind of pain they delivered, but people who said curse words felt better. Felt they had do, they had certain dopamine or whatever would happen. Yeah. Certain enzymes were released as they cursed. It, 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 <laughs> Maybe it would have wow. been the same if they said anything. I don't know. Well, yeah, you'd have to have, have find a control group to really. Yeah. You know. Maybe if they played Chain and Chain songs. <laughs> like that was so. You hit your hand, Siri, play. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, again, we just the, – the church makes it so much about a, a, a group of particular words. Yeah. And, and and we talk about this all the time, like not understanding the heart behind words or all those other things. What I really want, what I'm learning is, is situations in me are causing anger or causing um, – you know, before we went on air, I was talking to you about, man, I'm really struggling with this person, yeah. you know, and over this situation. And – the situation is revealing things about them, but it's also revealing things about me. Yeah, it's revealing what's what's um, unsettled or what is not not right. Or and, and I, <clears throat> wow, <clears throat> excuse me. I do believe there's so much time in life that we need to learn to deal with anger. I've been reading. Um, in fact, it's worth pulling out. I've been reading a certain psalm uh, right now every day. Psalm three, four. This this just really hit me. It says, "Be angry and do not sin," which we we quote that all the time. Yeah, you know, be angry and do not sin, but we don't read the rest of it. It says, "Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord." And so, like one, I love, and I've all think about. I used to talk about the misunderstood you, you know, in, in English, there's an understood you. Yeah. And so in an imperative sentence, I would say, you know, go, go open the door. Well, it's understood that I'm talking to you if yeah. it's imperative. And so I love, I call that misunderstood you. What are the misunderstood use of scripture that we're missing? No, no, that's for you. If it says be angry, there's a, there's an understood you there. Mm-hmm. There's something. So he's, he's telling you, you, this is okay. This is a part of life. Be angry and do not sin. But we just go, my gosh, and you're just like you're walking around trying to keep the rats. You're trying to act like you don't have rats, yeah. <laughs> you know. But he's saying, no, listen, 
Don't miss the target is what do not sin means. Don't don't miss the target of that. And how how maybe will that happen? And he goes on into this like this pathway of some spiritual reflection of sharing things with God and with others uh, uh, and even silence. He's not saying just be quiet and shut up till it passes. Yeah. Like I think and, and, and there's a great new book out that I'm reading called The Eternal Current by Aaron Nequest. And he's a guy who grew up in evangelical Christianity. He was at Willow Creek as a worship yeah. leader for a long time. And he just talks about one day his faith is gone. Mm-hmm. And then he has to go out on stage and this is gone. And how in our church cultures, especially as you and I were raised, we have one tool, one tool for all things. And yeah. that's quiet time. <clears throat> that's our yeah. only, that's the only tool that we have. So he begins exploring other uh, traditions in in the Christian faith and, and hanging out with a, a Jesuit priests and hanging out with people from charismatic side, hanging out and learning that there's a lot of scriptural tools yeah. that we don't apply. Because one thing doesn't like if you what was your quote about the hammer? Do you remember that? I don't know. I thought you had a quote about if I had a hammer. <laughs> That's a song, John. I think Fiddle and John wrote that. I think it was something like, if the only tool in your belt is a hammer, then every problem you face will look like a nail. Oh, no, something that's, like not, that. that's okay. not my quote. Okay, sorry. Good well, like you were borrowing. I think that's like that. Mark Twain or something. <laughs> I was saying, you were, I got the quote from you. I oh, thought. yeah, I may have sent it to yeah. you or something. So, you know, like you begin to now let every problem look like the thing that you yeah. know what to do with. And so, like, ponder in your own hearts. Yeah. So we're talking about reflection, meditation. Yeah. On your beds, we're talking about rest and be silent. We're right. talking about solitude. Like there's a time for you to sit. You're angry. Mm-hmm. It's okay. This is this is what you do. Instead of just going off target, don't yeah. don't lose the target. Sin means missing the target. And then he says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Like you may have to do something that feels hurtful. That's mm-hmm. what a sacrifice is. We have to kill something. So after, but don't just go do it. Like this moment when the rats, you know, escape from the situation, and it's obvious there's something there. Yeah. Hey, be you're angry. What are you going to do with it? Well, let's not miss the target. Let's go ponder in our own hearts. Let's spend some time yeah. reflecting and meditating on your beds and be silent. I, I just love that idea. I think that maybe that's. To it. I think that maybe one of the things too that social media has taken from us mm-hmm. is contemplation. Yep. Because we we post things in the heat of the moment uh, and then we wait for a reaction Yeah, and the reaction comes from a heated place too sometimes. And like there's things I, I mean, I'm saying eight out of 10 things I read online. I go, this person did not think one second before they wrote this, yeah. before they posted this. And it bugs me as a comedian. Cause I craft what I'm writing. Usually every now and again, I'll just start writing something off the cuff. And I'll think, well, that was ill-advised. Yeah. But usually I'm crafting something. I'm whittling on it. I'm is it, can I get it to the lowest amount of words? Whereas I feel like some people are just like and furthermore, and I think contemplation and pondering things. That's like a spiritual thing that we're yes. maybe we may be losing. We may be losing, and that's a huge loss. Uh, another thing I was thinking too, and you're saying that about when you only have one tool, and then if you lose heart, and you're like, well, this has always worked, and now it's not working. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I think being around ministry for most of my life. And I think my mother modeled this for me because she was in, she ran a housing ministry, a charity. She definitely modeled this for me, maybe not in word, but more in deed. But like a lot of the pastors I've been around, they want to fix people. 
that's one of the reasons they get it. Well, I know how to say the right thing and fix this. I've always been good at giving advice. Ministry is definitely this thing I should be doing. And then they get into that vibe, and that's why their marriages sometimes fail because they're Mr. Fix-It's yeah. instead of like, – we're learning how to listen. We talked about that with the Black Lives Matter episode. We talked a little bit about it. Yeah. We're learning to listen as a culture, hopefully. But I think the, the scripture that I dwell on most now is like grieve with those who grieve, yeah. you know, laugh with those who laugh. There's something about just being there. There was a pastor in California – uh, it's all over Facebook now. He committed suicide. Yeah, he had a family, and you just go, you see these pictures and smile. And you just go, there's something. There's a sadness. There's a something happening, and then you'll see the comment threads, and a lot of them are just like we're praying. But then every now and again, it'll be like, well, we need to, and it's like a, it's like they're offering a solution for something that's already happened. Yeah, it's like people don't need solutions. Then they just need you to be there with them and be okay with them and. And I think there's something holy about that moment, if we're honest. You know, we don't we want to we want to take away from it by my well, I mean, I do believe God gives us peace in those moments. But I think there's something to be said for just like be a human being, be with somebody. Yeah. You know, um, it's harder to be, though. Yeah. I am a Mr. Fix it. You know, yeah. Like I said it's so much harder because I feel helpless and I feel right. And I need approval. So I'm not getting that person's approval right now because I'm not affecting their problem. Yeah. You know? Well, it feels like it. But, I mean, if you think about, like, uh, your dad, you were close with your dad, and you have good memories with your dad. I have terrible memories with my dad. Well, the difference was not that your dad was better at fixing things than my dad. It's that your dad was there for you unconditionally. Right. So being there has a longer throw. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Legacy-wise. No, and fixing things. I, and, and it is. I think that goes back to the – I have to discipline myself for that, but it's the right sacrifice. Yeah. Like, okay, if I want to do this, this is – sometimes you just – sometimes while you're pondering, yeah, do the thing you know is right as you put your trust in the Lord. And some of that is – man, I mean, we're still – I mean, we're being honest. We're all still struggling with our great loss of Weston. Yeah. And But there's those who are struggling more. Yeah. You know, and – we do feel I, – I still feel helpless and I offer all those things because time is is just what it is. Yeah. And, that's the thing about life. It goes on. I mean there's – you know, I could die tomorrow and I hope people would be – I don't know if I hope people would be sad. It's a weird thing to think about what you hope people will react right. to. But I also would want them to move on and I know they're going to whether they like it or not. It's going to keep going. People right. move on. There and There will always keep... be a scar and a it's wound. It's a weird thing to things, think about. Yeah, it's, it's like, hard. It's like John McCain. I was looking at a flag at, at half staff the other yeah. day and, and was just thinking about how quickly this won't be in the news cycle, mm-hmm. you know, and how quickly – but the family and other people, I mean, this is forever – I mean, he's 81, Yeah, you know, so there's a different, you know, narrative there. But, every, you know, it, it's, it's, it is that – that moment, you're you're so right. A moment to sit with people is really all we have. Like we we can. It's not a. I think about Jesus and the time he just sat, and the time that he spent. I always wonder why he wept at the tomb, you know, because he of, of Lazarus. You know, he already knew what he was going to do. Yeah, he already knew what he's going to do. There's no way he he told them before he went. No, we're going to go because he's going to wake up. Oh, great. He must be sleeping. No, no, no. He's dead. I mean, Jesus tells him plainly. Lazarus yeah. has died. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. He let himself feel yeah. that loss. 
He got Even though there. he knew he had the power and he was going to. And when he wept, if you read the story, if I remember correctly, was after Mary and Martha said, if you just would have been here, they're the ones who are torn up. And he's weeping, I think, over their grief. He's sharing right. their grief. He's not, huh. you know, he, and to that end, Jesus knows the end of all of this. He knows the resurrection, the redemption that's coming for all mankind, all the things he's doing. And yet the Bible says he still shares in our sorrows. Like there's this, it is the, it really is the ultimate Christ-like thing that I'm going to sit with you in this, though I'm going to end it. And yeah, I know I f- I'm going to redeem it. I, I really do. I'm trying to put the, that spin on everything when I read now. It's like, okay, what is this really about? And what did it used to be about for me? And now what does it mean? Like, for instance, like laying on of hands, like let's hold hands and pray or let's pray for this person yeah. and we all touch. It's like, I think when I was growing up, I thought, well, this is how the power of God is right. transferred through this person, yeah. like electricity. And if you don't touch them and now I'm like, God just wanted us to touch each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He wanted you to put your hand on somebody's back and say, I'm here for you. Yeah. And that is the power of God. Because he made us to be human beings who felt things, and yep. it's like it's not electricity; it's it's humanness, it's humanity. And I, I, I don't know; I think of it more. Uh, that's the holiness in it, you know, right? Being connected in that way, like the, the the things that are sacred of God, we want to add mystery. They're they're mysterious beyond measure. There's no doubt, but we want to add mystery to them that God never meant. Yeah, you know, to add. And when you make a mystery out of things that are supposed to be natural, mm-hmm. like the mystery, God made you in his image. So, yes, he's mysterious, but there are parts of his mystery that will feel natural to you. And those are the parts you should lean into because that's how he made you, such as the relationships with people. I mean, my gosh, it, you know, you come with the five love languages. Physical touch is one of them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, psychologists are going to agree that a baby that's not touched, you know, can will often die his failure to thrive and even though he's getting all the food and the nutrients yeah. and everything he needs that he is created like people without a concept of god will come to the same conclusion that we've had in so many areas in in faith the whole time but then we have removed <laughs> yeah. the part of it that's that's most life-giving by making mystery out of it no i absolutely completely agree with that um and then back to your you know as we kind of wrap up i feel like we need to hug yeah. after this because i do talking. yeah well we'll go to lunch and we'll hug. We'll, hug. So okay. right. we'll eat together too that's another big thing but you know it's so funny you talked about everybody speaks the first thing that comes to mind in the conversation it reminded me that we had a big gathering last night where we paid, played a game called quiplash all right and i was shocked that you didn't come as a representative of your team i didn't want to because I... you what, <clears throat> there's almost this assumption that you were going to win well, and I don't and like I think that. That's a little prideful, Johnny. No, it's not prideful. I, I feel like people expect. Well, he's going to want to be on stage because yeah. he's the big look at me guy. Because because you pulled the people who were team leaders for the table on stage, so the whole table looks at me, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. I'll, I'd rather just be an audience member right now. That's very humble of you. No, I just maybe there was pressure too that if I didn't come up with a funny whatever, because you have to have funny. Let's get down to it. Maybe there's maybe it's 50-50. I wanted to go head to head. I wanted me and you to both be. Were up you there. in the? Were you answering? No, oh, okay. I didn't, no, I didn't. You but, were hosting, but I thought that'd be fun. It kind of goes back. And I had a couple of answers too. There were a couple of things I was like, "Oh, why don't they answer this?" Oh, I did too. I was like, and oh. I also I texted Curry one of them because my wife was one of the people. 
I cheated on the last one, but she didn't get it in time. She wasn't. She didn't have her phone. Uh, her phone wasn't receiving texts. The Lord knows, bro. But there was like, what was uh, what's a uh, terrible name for an SUV? Yeah. And I said, I said, oh, she's got a. So I texted her Nissan Meth Finder, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't get it in time. She answered something else, and we we almost lost. If we had lost, it would have been bad. That was the key. Our whole game is, and we don't really care who don't wins. Lose. Just don't lose because we're coming up with consequences for the losing team. Yeah. So. What is the consequences this time for the losing um, table? This is our small group that yeah. meet on Wednesdays. So, yeah, we had like, what? 60 people last night in eight yeah. small groups. And yeah. We had a block party. We don't always. It's so like tables of eight or so. Yeah. And so we had, it was a great time. So if you lose, now that group has to. Well, last time we had something. them come and they had to wear certain shirts and serve donuts to everybody in the whole that's building. That's not a big That was that's actually a, fun. That's know? all right. But this time they have to sit on the front row. Yeah. And we're going to have like some keywords. Every time we say them during like the first half of the service, they have to stay and clap twice, turn around and sit back down. Yeah. We'll have to acknowledge it because visitors will be like, what the heck is what going on? What kind of cult am I involved or in? Or they had to wear prom dresses because they were all women, that, uh, the one who lost. So they, we're letting them kind of decide what they want to do, like 80s prom dresses. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We had a good time last night. That was good. The food was great at my table. Oh no, my food is not a thing for me right now. I know you can't I'm eat because you're. I'm we didn't even in, talk about that. I'm not. In, we'll do another maybe later. Yeah. I'm not enjoying. I'm trying to make food less of a self medication yeah. thing and more of like this is fuel for my day. You need to let me know how that goes because <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying that. I've for overfilled years. my tank for about five years. See, here's the thing, Johnny. I do you know the last time I was in shape was before I started doing comedy. Like no, literally, you've lost weight, been in shape. But I'm been up and down. It's Oprah time over here. I'm. It's crazy. But maybe that's not a bad life. You know what? You're not. You're I not, see. You're the, so you're not judgmental of me, and I really appreciate that. Like, I said that to you the other day. I said because you said, "Let's go to Chewy's," and I was like, "John, I'm trying to do good here." And I go, "Dude, you don't understand." You go, "Dude, you don't look any bigger to me than you ever have," and that's just not true. That's like you got beer goggles I don't on. Know, I don't Something's know. going on. <laughs> I have gained weight. I don't bro. know if you were like, if you were like, thought that was nice, or you were yeah. insulted. You know, like, look, well, it's like you're not even paying attention. Me. Yeah, it's just you yeah. I mean, guys don't pay attention to that stuff necessarily no. either. I guess that's part of it. Somebody too. last night asked me how much weight I've lost, and yeah. I said, "Was it a female?" No. Okay. It was a dude, and I said, "None." Like right. I think I've actually gained a little bit of weight, but the deal is you are cutting the hair close. I, I'm up taking top. my hair down. Yeah. He goes, maybe it's the haircut. You know, like it looked, I was like, this is great. Maybe the haircut will give the illusion that I've lost weight. I don't understand how it could though. Usually, if you get a really short haircut, it makes your body look bigger. That's what I would think. I don't know, Johnny. I can just tell you what the guy said. That's maybe why I'm growing nice. an afro right so, now. As we speak, <laughs> I'm teasing it out every day. Well, we'll have to talk about your keto. Uh, and and I also want to talk about the trip that caused us to uh, contemplate Chewy's because I think yeah. that'd be an interesting story. Oh to tell sure, our, our, our day that you helped me out the other we day. Will. So, but so guys, tune in next week. Yeah, tune in. Hey, and thank you for listening today. And send us some more questions. Uh, we're going to address them on our uh, our questions for John and Johnny segment mm-hmm. that we now have. And uh, be sure to share this. We're going to be back on our weekly. Uh, sort of routine here uh, heading into September. Johnny, it's almost football season. we got a lot to talk about. The Vols have their first game coming up on Saturday. So um, that's in two days with West Virginia number 17 and Will Greer, the quarterback from Florida who destroyed us in 2015 after we had like a 21-point lead. But, hey, who's really keeping up? The steroids guy? I do believe Will Greer was the steroids that's guy. That's why they, yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah. Wow. And then he like grew his hair out. He, anyway, it's very interesting. We'll have to, we'll have to come back mm. and talk more about that later but share we appreciate you guys all that you do and uh 
We're just excited, Johnny. It's been fun. Until yes. You realize this is the year anniversary. We've now been doing talk about that for a year. What's the gift you're going to give? We're going to exchange. We should exchange. What we'll do is, is I'll pay for lunch today. No, you don't have to. Okay. And you pay for lunch next month. So that's it's a good trade. Okay. Anyway, join us next time here on Talk About That. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.